Section 8 of Poems of American History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rebecca. Chapter 3. Part 3. The Colonials, on the other hand, among whom seems to have inspired almost instant respect and affection, made him the subject of many songs, the most popular of which was Sewell's War and Washington, which was sung by soldiers and civilians during the whole revolution. War and Washington Vain Britons no longer with proud indignity, by land your conquering legions, your matchless strength at sea. Since we, your braver sons incensed, our swords have girded on. Huzza, 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 for war and Washington. Urged on by north and vengeance, those valiant champions came. Loud bellowing tea and treason, and George was all on flame. Yet sacrilegious as it seems, we rebels still live on. And laugh at all their empty puffs, Huzza for Washington! Still deaf to mild entreaties, still blind to England's good, you have for thirty pieces betrayed your country's blood. Like Aesop's greedy cur, you'll gain a shadow for your bone, yet find us fearful shades indeed inspired by Washington. Mysterious, unexampled, incomprehensible, the blundering schemes of Britain, their folly, pride, and zeal. Like lions, how ye growl and threat, mere asses have you shown, and ye shall share an ass's fate and drudge for Washington. Your dark, unfathomed counsels, our weakest heads defeat, our children rout your armies, our boats destroy your feet, and to complete the dire disgrace, cooped up within a town you live the scorn of all our host the slaves of washington great heaven is this the nation whose thundering arms were hurled through europe africa india whose navy ruled a world the luster of your former deeds whole ages of renown lost in a moment or transferred to us and washington Yet think not thirst of glories unsheaths our vengeful swords, to rend your bands asunder, or cast away your cords. Tis heaven-born freedom fires us all, and strengthens each brave son, from him who humbly guides the plough to godlike Washington. For this, oh, could our wishes your ancient rage inspire, your armies should be doubled in numbers force and fire then might the glorious conflict prove which best deserve the boon america or albion a george or washington fired with the great idea our father's shades would rise to view the stern contention the gods desert their skies and wolf midst hosts of heroes superior bending down cry out with eager transport God save great Washington. Should George, two choice of Britons, 
to foreign realms apply, and madly arm half Europe, yet still we would defy. Turk, Hessian, Jew, and infidel, or all those powers in one, while Adams guards our Senate, our camp great Washington. Should warlike weapons fail us, disdaining slavish fears, to swords will beat our plowshares, our pruning hooks to spears, and rush all desperate on our foe, nor breathe till battle won. Then shout and shout America, and conquering Washington! Proud France should view with terror, and haughty Spain revere, while every warlike nation would court alliance here. And George, his minions trembling round, dismounting from his throne, pay homage to America and glorious Washington. Jonathan Mitchell Sewell While the army at Cambridge was getting into shape to assume the offensive, the British were by no means idle. They recovered St. John's, which Arnold had captured in May, and a fleet under Admiral Wallace ravaged the shores of Narragansett Bay. On October 7, 1775, he bombarded the town of Bristol, which had refused to furnish him with supplies, an incident which is described in one of the most ingenuous and amusing of revolutionary ballads. The Bombardment of Bristol, October 7, 1775. In 1775, our Bristol town was much surprised by a pack of thievish villains that will not work to earn their livings. October twas the seventh day, as I have heard the people say. Wallace, his name be ever cursed, came on our harbor just at dusk. And there his ship did safely moor, and quickly sent his barge on shore, with orders that should not be broke, or they might expect a smoke. Demanding that the magistrates should quickly come on board his ship, and let him have some sheep and cattle, or they might expect a battle. At eight o'clock, by signal given, our peaceful atmosphere was riven, by British balls, both grape and round, as plenty afterwards were found. But oh, to hear the doleful cries of people running for their lives, women with children in their arms, running away to the farms. With all their firing and their skill, they did not any person kill, neither was any person hurt, but the Reverend Parson Burt. And he was not killed by a ball, as judged by jurors one and all, but being in a sickly state, he, frightened, fell, which proved his fate. Another truth to you I'll tell, that you may see they leveled well, for aiming to kill the people, they fired their shot into a steeple. They fired low. They fired high, the women scream, the children cry, and all their firing and their racket 
shot off the topmast of a packet. From the moment almost of the fight at Lexington, the conquest of Canada had been dreamed of, and in September 1775, a force of 2,000 men, under General Richard Montgomery, started for Quebec. He was joined by another force under Benedict Arnold, and an attempt was made to carry the citadel by storm. But Montgomery fell as he led the way over the walls. Arnold was wounded, and the Americans were beaten back. Montgomery at Quebec, December 31st, 1775. Round Quebec's embattled walls, moodily the patriots lay. Dread disease within its thralls drew them closer day by day, till from suffering man to man mutinous a murmur ran. Footsore, they had wandered far. They had fasted, they had bled. They had slept beneath the star, with no pillow for the head. Was it but to freeze to stone in this cruel icy zone? Yet their leader held his heart, not discouraged, not dismayed. Quelled with unobtrusive art, those that muttered, unafraid, waited, watchful for the hour, when his golden chance should flower. "'Twas the death-tide of the year. Night had passed its murky noon. Through the bitter atmosphere, pierced nor ray of star nor moon, but upon the bleak earth beat, blinding arrows of the sleet. While the trumpets of the storm pealed the bastion heights around, did the dauntless heroes form? Did the low, sharp orders sound? Be the watchword liberty! cried the brave Montgomery. Here, where he had won applause, when Wolfe faced the Gallic foe, for a nobler, grander cause, would he strike the fearless below, smite at wrong upon the throne, at injustice giant groan. Men, you will not fear to tread where your general dares to lead. On, my valiant boys, he said and his foot was first to speed. Swifting up the beetling steep, lion-hearted did he leap. Flashed a sudden blinding glare, roared a fearsome battle peal, rang the gloomy vasts of air, seemed the earth to rock and reel, while adown that fiery breath rode the hurtling bolts of death. Woe for him, the valorous one, now a silent clod of clay. Never more for him the sun would make glad the paths of day. Yet twere better thus to die than to cringe to tyranny. Better thus the life to yield, striking for the right and God, upon freedom's gory field, than to kiss oppression's rod. Honor, then for all time be, to brave Montgomery. Clinton scholared. Though the Americans had lost Canada, they were soon to gain Boston. During the winter of 1775-76, a great number of captured cannon had dragged on sledges from Ticonderoga. The drilling of the army had gone steadily on, 
and at last Washington felt that he was able to assume the offensive, and on the night of March 4, 1776, he seized and fortified Dorchester Heights. A Song, 1776 Smile, Massachusetts, smile! Thy virtue still outbraves the frowns of Britain's isle, the rage of home-born slaves. Thy free-born sons disdain their ease when purchased by their liberties. Thy genius once the pride of Britain's ancient isle, brought o'er the raging tide by our forefathers' toil. In spite of North's despotic power, shines glorious on this western shore. In Hancock's generous mind awakes the noble strife, which so conspicuous shines in gallant Sidney's life. While in its cause the hero bled, immortal honors crowned his head. Let zeal your breasts inspire, let wisdom guide your plans. Tis not your cause entire, on doubtful conflict hangs. The fate of this vast continent and unborn millions shared the event. To close the gloomy scenes of this alarming day, a happy union reigns through wide America, while awful wisdom hourly waits to adorn the councils of her states. Brave Washington arrives, arrayed in warlike fame, while in his soul revives great Marlborough's martial flame to lead your conquering armies on to lasting glory and renown. To aid the glorious cause, experienced Lee has come, renowned in foreign wars, a patriot at home, while valiant Putnam's warlike deeds amongst the foe a terror spreads. Let the Britons proudly boast that their two thousand braves can drive out numerous host and make us all their slaves, while twice six thousand quake with fear, nor dare without their lines appear. Kind heaven has deigned to own our bold resistance just since murderous gage began, the bloody carnage first. Near ten to one has been their cost for each American we've lost. Stand firm in your defense, like the sons of freedom fight. Your haughty foes convince that you'll maintain your right. Defiance bid to tyrants frown, and glory will your valor crown. The Connecticut Gazette, 1776. How realized that Boston was untenable unless the Americans could be dislodged, but with the memory of Bunker Hill before him, he had no heart for the enterprise. While he hesitated, the American works were made well-nigh impregnable, and Howe decided to abandon the town. On March 17, 1776, the British troops, 8,000 in number, sailed away for Halifax. Washington at once took possession of the city. A poem containing some remarks on the present war. March 17, 1776. 
Britain's grown big with pride, and wanton ease, and tyranny beside. They sought to please, their craving appetite. They strove with all their might. They'd vow to rise and fight, to make us bow. The plan they laid was deep, even like hell. With sympathy I weep, while here I tell of that base murderous brood, void of the fear of God, who came to spill our blood in our own land. They bid their army sail, though billows roar, and take the first fair gale for Boston's shore. They'd cross the Atlantic Sea, a long and watery way. Poor Boston fell a prey to tyranny. Gage was both base and mean. He dare not fight. The men he sent were seen, like owls in the night. It was in Lexington, where patriots' blood did run before the rising sun, in crimson gore. Here the sons of freedom fell, rather than flee. Unto those brutes of hell they fell a prey. But they shall live again, their names shall rise and reign among the noble slain in all our land. But oh, this cruel foe went on in haste, to conquer they did go, and there did waste some stores in their rage, to gratify old Gage. His name in every page shall be defamed. Their practice thus so base, and murder too, roused up the patriot race, who did pursue, and put this foe to flight, they could not bear the light. Some rude the very night, they left their den. And now this cruelty was spread abroad, the sons of liberty this act abhorred. Their noble blood did boil, forgetting all the toil, in troubles they could smile, and went in haste. Our army willingly did then engage to stop the cruelty of tyrants' rage. They did not fear our foe, but were ready to go, and the tyrants know whose sons they were. But when old Gage did see all us withstand and strive for liberty through all our land, he drove with all his might, for rage was his delight. With fire he did fight, a monster he. On Charlestown he displayed his fire abroad. He it in ashes laid, an act abhorred by the sons of liberty, who saw the flames on high, piercing their native sky, and now lies waste. To Bunker Hill they came most rapidly, and many there were slain, and there did die. They called it Bloody Hill, although they gained their will. In triumph they were still, cause of their slain. Here sons of freedom fought right manfully. A wonder here was wrought, though some did die. Here Warren bowed to death, his expiring breath. In language mild he saith, Fight on, brave boys. Oh, did this stain of pride of British troops, they saw they were denied, of their vain hopes of marching through our land, 
when twice a feeble band did fight and boldly stand in our defense. Brave Washington did come to our relief. He left his native home filled with grief. He did not covet again the cause he would maintain and die among the slain rather than flee. His bosom glowed with love for liberty. His passions much did move to orphans cry. He let proud tyrants know how far their bounds should go and then his bombs did throw into their den. This frightened them full sore when bombs were sent, when cannon loud did roar. They left each tent. Oh, thus did the tyrants fly, went precipitately, their shipping being nigh. They sailed off. And now Boston is free from tyrants' base, the sons of liberty possess the place they now in safety dwell free from those brutes of hell their raptured tongues do tell their joys great a portion of the british fleet remained in boston harbor and apprehensions began to be felt that an effort would be made to recapture the town it was at this juncture that captain james mugford of the schooner franklin captured the British ship Hope, bound for Boston with supplies and 1,500 barrels of powder. Two days later, on May 19, the Franklin ran aground at Point Shirley, at the mouth of the harbor, and was at once attacked by boats from the British vessels. A sharp engagement ensued, in which Mugford was killed. His last words are said to have been those used by Lawrence nearly 40 years later. Don't give up the ship. You will beat them off. And they did. Mugford's Victory, May 17 through 19, 1776. Our mother, the pride of us all, she sits on her crags left by the shore. And her feet they are wet with the waves whose foam is as flowers from the graves, of her sons whom she welcomes no more, and who answer no more to her call. Amid weeds and sea tangle and shells, they are buried far down in the deep, the deep which they love to career. Oh, might we awake them from sleep! Oh, might they our voices but hear, and the sound of our holiday bells! Can it be she is thinking of them? Her face is so proud and so still, and her lashes are moistened with tears. Ho, little ones, pluck at her hem, her lap with your jollity fill, and ask of her thoughts and fears. Fears! We have roused her at last. See, her lips part with a smile, and laughter breaks forth from her eyes. Fears! Whence should they ever arise in our hearts, O oh my children, the while we can remember the past? Can remember that morning of May, when Mugford went forth with his men? Twenty and all of them ours, tis a hundred years to a day. And the sea and the shore are as then, and as bright are the grass and the flowers. But our twenty, they come not again. 
He had heard of the terrible need of the Patriot Army there, in Boston town, now for a deed to save it from despair, to thrill with joy the great commander's heart, and hope newborn to all the land in part. Hope, aye, that was the very name of the good ship that came from England far away, laden with engineery of death, food for the cannon's fiery breath, hope laden for great Washington, who but for her was quite undone a hundred years ago today. Oh, but to meet her there and grapple with her fair, out in the open bay, Mugford to Glover said, How could he answer nay? And Mugford sailed away, brave heart and newly wed. But what are the woman's tears and rosy cheeks made pale to the one who far off hears the generations hail? A deed like this we celebrate today, a hundred years since Mugford sailed away. I love to picture him clear-eyed and strong of limb, gazing his last upon the rocky shore, his feet should press no more, seeing the tall church steeples fade away, in distance soft and gray, so dropping down below the horizon's rim, where fame awaited him. Slow sailing from the east his victim came, they met, brief parley, struggle brief and tame, and she was ours, in Boston Harbor safe air set of sun, great joy for Washington, but heavy grew the hours, on Mugford's hands longing to bring me, his mother proud, news of his victory, but that was not to be. Abreast Nantasket's narrow strip of gray, the British cruisers lay, they saw the daring skipper dropping down, from the much-hated rebel-haunted town, and in the twilight dim their boats awaited him, while wind and tide conspired to grant what they desired. Thickly they swarmed about his tiny craft, but Mugford gaily laughed, and gave them blow for blow, and many a hapless foe went hurtling down below upon the schooner's rail, fell like a thresher's flail, the strokes that beat the soul and sense apart, and pistol crack through many an eager heart, sent deadly hail. But when the fight was o'er, brave Mugford was no more, crying with death-white lip, Boys, don't give up the ship! His soul struck out for heaven's peaceful shore. We gave him burial meat, through every sobbing street, a thousand men marched with their arms reversed, and Parson's story told, in sentences of gold, the tale since then a thousand times rehearsed. Such is the story she tells, our mother, the pride of us all. Ring out your music, O bells, that ever such things could befall. Ring not for Mugford alone, ring for the twenty unknown, who fought hand to hand at his side who saw his last look when he died, and who brought him, though dead, to his own. John White Chadwick A month later, on June 14, 1775, 
the Continentals occupied various islands and points in the bay, and opened so hot a fire upon the British ships that they were finally forced to weigh anchor and sail away. The news of the capture of Boston and departure of the British was received with the greatest rejoicing throughout the country. Among the many songs composed to celebrate the event, one, Off from Boston, gained wide popularity. Off from Boston. Sons of valor, taste the glories of celestial liberty. Sing a triumph o'er the Tories. Let the pulse of joy beat high. Heaven hath this day foiled the many. Fallacies of George the King. Let the echo reach Brittany. Bid her mountain summits ring. See yon navy swell the bosom of the late enraged sea. Wherever they go, we shall oppose them. Sons of valor must be free. Should they touch at the fair Rhode Island, there to combat with the brave, driven from each dale and highland, they shall plough the purple wave. Should they hence to fair Virginia, bend a squadron to Dunmore, still with fear and ignominy, they shall quit the hostile shore. To Carolina or to Georgie, should they advance their fame, this land of heroes shall disgorge the sons of tyranny and shame. Let them rove to climes far distant, situate under arctic skies, call on Hessian troops assistant, and savages to rise. Boast of wild brigades from Russia, to fix down the galling chain. Canada and Nova Scotia shall disgorge these hordes again. In New York State, rejoined by Clinton, should their standards mock the air, many a surgeon shall put lint on, wounds of death received there. War, fierce war, shall break their forces, Nerves of Tory men shall fail, seeing how, with altered courses, bending to the western gale. Thus from every bay of ocean, flying back with sails unfurled, tossed with ever-troubled motion, they shall quit this smiling world. Like Satan banished from heaven, never see the smiling shore, from this land, so happy, driven. Never stain its bosom more. End of section eight. Recording by Rebecca.